from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast. I... <laughs> this is Michelle. You sound like me today. Uh, do that I? Was very ball squeezy. And this is Mark. <laughs> ball squeezy. Ball squeezy. Indeedy. Ball squeezy. Indeedy. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. You guys are rolling. <laughs> so, what's going on today in the tiny house world? I do was out and about last weekend picking up supplies for my next what? tiny house. That's awesome. I know. Thank and, you. And over Thanksgiving, you're going to do something pretty cool too. Very cool. Yes. So I'm actually leaving. So last weekend, I was out and about um, picking up supplies, Home Depot, Platt Electric, out and about. And I ran into tiny house people like at every turn, tiny house builders, people, you know, private people building tiny houses. I ran into a tiny house film documentarian. So he may be coming on the show or not. I have to take him out to coffee and find out if he's if he's up to par. Is he handsome? Uh yeah. Oh. Yeah. That'll be a hard coffee to go out on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll suck really bad. Um so today I'm actually driving up to Washington to pick up my my flatbed trailer from my next tiny. Then I'll be bringing it back. Um I'm taking the train up there and then I'll be bringing back the the big truck and the flatbed to bring it down um Send it through DMV, um, make sure I got plates and inspection and VIN number and all that fun stuff. Because, of course, I don't want to start building on it unless it's uh, unless I can actually, you know, use it. And then after I get plates and DMV and stuff, then I'll be loading up all my supplies, cabinets, windows, uh, windows, doors, cabinets, framing materials, insulation and everything, loading it all up on the flatbed and hauling it back to Washington where it's going to be framed in starting in January um, after the holiday madness is over. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for asking. <laughs> wow. It's very exciting. just turned into an SNL skit here. <laughs> but the only thing that's, the thing that's really weird about this build is I'm actually, the first step in this particular build is I'm painting. The outside of the house. What? That's the first thing you're doing? I know. Isn't so that odd? You're going to lay out all the panels and then paint it? or Right. No. So the siding is actually T blank T111. Oh, yeah, T111. And because of the fact that I'm building in the middle of winter, I'll have a really difficult time finding a, you know, finding a time to be able to paint in the winter. Oh, yeah. Um, and you don't want T111 exposed to the weather for yeah. any longer than you have to. So I'm painting it literally... Um, my siding is sheet at a time in my garage, wow. so it'll actually be painted before we even install it or whatever. And wow. so that should make the process go that much faster next year. Speaking of processes going more faster, um, our guest today is her ambition is to help other people's Airbnb rental of tiny houses go faster and more I know. efficiently. I was really excited um, to d- to discover her and to have her on the show because, of course, as you know, my my next tiny house is going to be used as an Airbnb yeah. rental, and so I was super excited. Where did you find Sarah? Uh, <laughs> I found her on the interwebs. <laughs> I found her on the interwebs. How did actually. you do that? She's very well known. They they have been managing the Airbnb in Nashville called uh, Nashville Music Tiny House Music house so she'll tell us all about it okay cool what was that called again 
what how what's what called tiny music house. city music, music city, city tiny house okay, there something like that someone just laughed in the background who was that who was that <laughs> who's laughing in the background that was that was sarah that was me hi sarah hey, we're talking welcome. about her like she's not even exactly. here <laughs> welcome to the show sarah hi thank you so much for having me gosh yeah, this is so exciting i'm a big podcast consumer um but i i can't say as i've ever been on one so this is a neat opportunity for me well welcome it's it's a neat opportunity for us too absolutely so, so Sarah, um, instead of talking, go, going back to your background, which we'll get to in a minute, I heard through the grapevine called Michelle Boyle that um, <laughs> you're being evicted from your tiny house. through the grapevine. Yeah, so um, get right we on are that. not being evicted from the tiny house so much as um, in Nashville, they have, um, and I... And I'm guessing many large cities are, are getting to this point, but they have passed a bill called an STRP bill, which stands for a short-term rental property. And when we first started Airbnb being our tiny house, this, this set of guidelines and regulations did not exist. Um, they, they actually came out maybe nine to 12 months after we started renting. Um, and when they first came out, they were super vague and super ambiguous. And there wasn't really a clear indication as to whether or not tiny houses would fit in there or be expressly um, omitted. There was actually one section that mentioned RVs um, as being permitted as long as they weren't visible from the street. And so we're like, cool, we're golden. Um, but over the past two years or so, the rules have kind of been better defined. Um, and we got a notice in the mail that said we were not in compliance because we didn't have a DADU permit, um, which to clarify, if anyone listening isn't quite sure what that means, it means detached accessory dwelling unit. And um, we would qualify. We are zoned for that, um, except for the fact that it specifically states um, structures on wheels don't qualify. And anyone who has spent any amount of time researching this knows, obviously, um, dadus can't be on wheels because structures that are built on wheels generally aren't built to code um, and therefore can't uh, pass building inspection. So they would never get a, a, a dadu permit. Um, and so for all of those reasons, we got this notice in the mail. Um, it wasn't something that we could rectify. Now, it might have been something we could have pushed back on a little um, if we were interested in because, um, one, we were there before the actual um, regulations were in place. Uh, and uh, two, there are some there's some good work being done to change, you know, the, the rules and regulations. So we could always ask for an extension or, or whatever. But we decided um, we weren't going to fight it. And, and there were a number of reasons that that we did that. Um, so uh, we, we have shut down the tiny house for, for rental. Um, we have the last few guests uh, in there um, this week. Um, nothing after the 28th of, uh, of the, the month. So. Was was the original the the first regulation you you um, described the it started with an S? Did that was that in response to Airbnb or was that in response to tiny the tiny house movement? It was it was absolutely in response to Airbnb, and um, I think a lot of metropolitan areas are putting these types of policies and regulations in place as they should. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's always one of the big topics of conversation in the tiny house movement is regulation. Um, you know, 
so many people are like, gosh, you know, the government should get out of our business and let us live in tiny houses. And, and I'm not I'm not opposed to that mentality. Um, I, I very much do believe if you own your land, you should be able to park whatever you want on it, et cetera. But some regulations are necessary. Um, and, and I do believe that um, short term vacation r- rentals um, need to be regulated, especially in urban centers and, and growing urban centers like Nashville. Um, and I know this really isn't the topic of conversation for this podcast, but um, properties in growing urban centers like Nashville and San Francisco and Austin, Texas, um, what people are doing is professional Airbnb companies are coming into neighborhoods and they're buying up all the properties they can. They're flipping and renovating them. And then they're putting them on Airbnb for, you know, essentially $200, $300 a night. And what that does is it takes all of the available inventory for the working people in yeah. those communities off out of inventory. And I didn't so the know people- that. I've heard the same thing. Yeah, I've heard the same thing is actually happening in Portland right now. Um, Actually, more than 50% of the single occupancy homes in Portland, I heard um, recently over 50% are actually being sold as rentals for use as rentals. Wow, I did not know that. Which is also, of course, contributing to the skyrocketing rental rates as well. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so not only are the rates going up, um, the inventory is going down. Right. And so what happens are your teachers, your police yeah. officers, your municipal workers, all of the people that are working and con- con- actually contributing to that neighborhood and community are being replaced with vague travelers. Um, in Nashville, um, they call it Nash Vegas for a reason. We've got bachelorette parties. We've got bachelor parties. So we've got a lot of drunk, you know, young people stumbling around neighborhoods, you know, damaging things, you know, leaving beer bottles and all sorts of things out. So what it does is it turns communities into transient neighborhoods, mm-hmm. um, which is, is not as enjoyable to, to live in. And, um, it, it's certainly not as, um, you know, safe or beautiful or, or there's a number of reasons why I'm very much in support of the STRP, um, theory, the, 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 that's the regulation. That's what they're calling it. The STRP bill. But, um, I, I do believe it needs to be regulated. Um, However, I also vehemently believe that tiny houses are a potential solution to this problem. So they've actually made efforts to omit tiny houses from, you know, being an acceptable form of Airbnb rental. Whereas if people were able to put a tiny house behind a house and Airbnb that one, uh, the maximum occupancy in a tiny house is what four people. Um, you're not going to get a ton of bachelor parties in your, in, in your neighborhood <laughs> with four people. Um, it probably, that, that's actually on par with what my bachelorette party was, but I, I don't exactly, <laughs> I don't exactly collect a lot of friends. Um, uh, quality, then, not quantity. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that's right. Um, but then, um, if there were regulations in place to say, Hey, if you place an Airbnb in your backyard uh, through as a tiny house, you can't rent out your big house as an Airbnb. You can rent it out to people that are going to stay longer than 30 days, um, which would not be considered short term and would actually be filled with people that live in community and, and contribute to the community. I- um, so, so for me, I think they're actually taking the, a backwards approach to that. Um, but one of the reasons we're letting our tiny house go instead of um, fighting it is because we feel like we'll have a bigger voice if we don't have a conflict of interest. Um, so, you know, it was kind of in line with our advocacy efforts to be like, hey, you know, we know this industry now and we are considered, you know, um, experts, for lack of a better term, um, on Airbnb and tiny houses. Um, let's let the tiny house part go 
and then we can just kind of work on the advocacy efforts of that. So it's it's so there's a there's kind of two mag, meta topics that we're discussing. One is um, using is the policies around um, temporary housing like Airbnb and how tiny houses mesh with that. But then there's another part of it that our show is more geared toward, which is kind of more geared toward, which is um, people living in their tiny houses. Um, mm-hmm. And so I want to talk real quickly about the, you said it was the data reg- regulation. Is that what it is? Data? Dadu. 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 Okay. Yeah. Is there, is there no way, and I'm looking at Michelle too to maybe answer this question. Is there no way for a tiny house on wheels to pass the code that you're saying they would not pass, Sarah? Well, it's really, um, it really is dependent upon the immediate district that you're in as, as any, all the tiny house, uh, you know, experts will tell you, and I get this question all the time, like, Hey, I want one in my backyard. You know, what am I zoned for? It's like, I have no idea what you're zoned for. Um, because there isn't one blanket zone, um, in, in, you know, Nashville, I, my house is distinct is zoned distinctly differently than the structure that is next to me. It, um, because the structure next to me is, is an old school house that's been converted to a church. So, um, we have different, uh, zoning regulations. Um, but because, uh, in Nashville, we have only adopted the international building code of 2000. 13. That's as, that's the most recent one that we've adopted. I know that they've made some updates um, to 2015, and we're really hoping that they're going to make some really awesome ones that will make tiny houses more widely accepted in 2018. Um, but we've only adopted the 2013, and when I first moved here, they'd only adopted the 2009. So um, based on those building codes, if you were to take the wheels off our tiny house, they would then be required to adhere to the International Building Code of 2013, and it won't. And because it won't pass building inspection, it will not qualify for anything that requires an occupancy permit. Why wouldn't it it pass? Stairs and ladders. Is that why? Yeah, stairs, ladders, sinks, ovens. um, There's all sorts of... Minimum room size. Minimum, Uh, yeah, requirements mm. uh, that, that the building codes have. And to be fair... The vast, I, I'm not against those regulations either. They were put in place for safety, sanitation, the good of the public and, and health. The problem with a lot of them is that they, hadn't, they haven't been changed in 50, 60, 70 years and technology has changed. So um, it's, we're, we're seeing kind of across the tiny house movement a very slow progression of people being able to um, change those laws within their local communities to allow for things like composting toilets, to allow for um, you know different uh, requirements in the stairs and, and the ladders, etc. Very interesting. Yeah, and and to Perry said he was looking at me when he was asking about zoning, um, and I would like to echo your response. Um, it really depends on where you live. I mean, when I was when I was starting to build, even before I started to build, I went to the city. I we went to the city, city council and planning, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna um, build a tiny house, so I want to take out a permit. And I knew they didn't have one, but it was kind of making a point and mm-hmm. said, okay, I want you to give me a permit. And then when I build it, I want you to come inspect it. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, yeah, but we don't have one. And wow. I'm like, okay, well, why not? And they're like, because we don't know what we would expect it against. And so, <laughs> right. um, again, it really depends on the municipality that you're not only building in. And herein lies another rub, shall we say, 
not only the municipality you're building in, but the municipality you're moving through. Um, right. Also, the municipality that you end up living or renting in as well. That Those could mm-hmm. be, of course, potentially three entirely different jurisdictional bodies. And it's just very, very, very complex. So it's interesting okay. because the the person, it, 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 it argues very clearly for being a pirate. And because mm-hmm. you just can't, you can't figure it all out as a builder. Um, and as long as you're not Airbnb or renting, let's not mm-hmm. give Airbnb the airtime. <laughs> <laughs> Those dirty bastards, since they're starting to be more corporate than, anyway. Unless they want to call and sponsor the show, in which case okay. they're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, if As long as you're not renting out your, your uh, tiny house, if you're living in it, it seems like you could probably get away with it as many people are. But the moment you start going commercial with it, then you've got a problem. Yeah, and I'd like to say that um, my experience in Nashville um, probably echoes uh, many other um, experiences. And that is, there's no one out there looking for tiny houses to cite them. Um, There's a couple of reasons for that. And and one, they just don't have the manpower. It's not like they have their own regulating, you know, force that have patrol cars um, (laughs) in general. Um, And so if you're laying low, you've got a tiny house, you've parked it, you're laying low, chances are you'll be okay. Hell, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you are. You You can say hell, fuck, shit, pussy. We ran a business for two and a half years out in the open. And I'm not saying just saying we were listed on Airbnb. We hosted monthly open houses. I, I'm a, a, you know, I public speak at every invitation that I get. And I talk about tiny houses. Um, we were in the, the publication, the city is full here in Nashville. We were on the local news, hmm. uh, as an Airbnb, we were not hiding. We went to the codes department, the building department. We told everybody what we were doing. And we did that because we recognized that the only way to get the laws changed is for people to know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. When when election year happened last year, and they were you know the local council uh, candidates were coming around knocking on doors, um, you know Freddie O'Connell came to our door, knocked on our door, and wanted to give us a spiel. I said, uh, "What are you doing about affordable housing in Nashville?" And he started you know his his, his you know pulled. He didn't really do this, but, you know, he pulled out his speech from his pocket and he, he basically read what he had memorized. And I was like, well, let me tell you, let me show you what we're doing with, about affordable housing in Nashville. And I took him around our house and I showed him the tiny house and I gave him a tour. And he, he goes, well, I promise I won't tell anybody you have this. And I'm like, tell everybody we have this. <laughs> tell everybody. Um, and we knew we were going to get shut down someday. And every time I had an open house, I would tell them. People were like, how are you getting away with this? And I told them, I was like, we're not getting away with anything. We, we, we've decided to ask for forgiveness, not permission. But this was a conscious decision. And we recognized we could get shut down any day. And last Friday was that day. Hmm. And it wasn't a moment where, you know, I, I cried or, I, you know, nothing happened other than I was like, John, my husband, today's the day. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I showed him the, the notification. He's hmm. like, Okay. What did um so we have a, a builder friend out there in Nashville, we won't say his name, um who character- I think he built their tiny house. Okay, well let's not No. I don't, I don't think so. Okay. The, 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 I think I know who you're talking about. Um he and I, I do some consulting work for him. Um great guy. He he said that the jurisdiction out there is really anti tiny. Anti anti tiny. 
I would disagree with him respectfully. So, and he, he and I have actually had this conversation. Um, and, and I think depending on who specifically he's referring to, his answer would change. Um, because there are obviously, you know, many people out here, um, that have some sort of sway or impact on, um, tiny houses. And I would say overall, everybody supports tiny houses as a philosophy. They want to see it work. They would love to see tiny houses in Nashville, but that doesn't mean that they're just going to blanket, you know, say tiny houses everywhere. Right. Right. They can't do that. Nashville is a growing city. Um, they're, they're dealing with a lot of issues from a lot of different, uh, areas. We are in Tennessee. We're in, we're a very liberal city in the heart of a very conservative uh, state. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that have to be considered in all aspects. And, and just because I like tiny houses doesn't mean my neighbor likes tiny houses. Right. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of voters, a lot of taxpayers that have to be considered. And so they want to do it right. And that, and that means organizing it in a way that makes sense for everybody. So if they were just to come in and say, tiny houses are legal in Nashville now, you know what would happen? The people who own these properties that are Airbnbs, they would go and they would buy, you know, the the eighty ninety thousand uh, dollar, you know, uh, tiny houses from any builder that that would build them, and we'd have tiny houses all over Nashville without any regard for the plumbing. I mean, we have old aging infrastructure here in Nashville, and if you just plug a tiny house into it. Um, or let's say you do a composting toilet and suddenly we have huge amounts of human waste going in all the, you know, uh, the garbages without the waste department actually considering that, right? There's just a lot of moving parts um, when a city decides uh, to, to legalize tiny homes. Um, and to be fair, if tiny houses were suddenly legal everywhere, tiny house prices would skyrocket. And so all these people who want to live in them don't want to buy them or build them. They want to buy them. They're going to see the prices go from the thirty to fifty to sixty thousand, up into the price of like high class RVs. So there's a number of things that that go into play. Um, I think when we talk about legalization of tiny houses, especially in in you know cities and urban areas, um, but I don't know that that necessarily means that the the city is anti tiny house. I actually know for a fact they're not. Um, my another reason why we kind of let my our, our tiny house go is my husband works um, on the staff of the mayor, and um, so I know for a fact, and I don't know exactly because he doesn't share all these things with me, but I know for a fact that they're discussing tiny houses in Nashville. They're not anti tiny house, um, but they want to make sure they do it in a way that makes sense a way that the city, uh, that makes the city better, um, and, and a way that, you know, is sustainable and, and isn't necessarily like, let's just do tiny houses because everybody wants them. And then we turn around and say, that was a terrible idea. I could right? see, I could see the perspective that you're describing of the government really, 
rubbing this person that I'm that we're thinking about the wrong way because this person is a real free spirit kind of I just want to do my thing and I want to help people mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right, right. And I think a lot of tiny houses are, and I think it's <clears> great. <throat> and I love that part of the movement because really that's where a lot of the energy comes yeah. in the movement. Yeah. But what happens is when it comes to getting that ball moving in a in a, a structured way that can actually function within an, uh, a very bureaucratic because they have. I mean, the, the system has to be bureaucratic in order for it to function. Um, and so in order for it to succeed going through a bureaucratic process, it has to be organized, well thought out, you know, there, there has to be a process in place. And that's where we are with, with tiny house legalization. We're at the, this is a great idea. People know what it is now because Three years ago, when I first made this movement, I had to explain to people what a tiny house was every single time. And I don't have to do that anymore. We've already made progress. Um, so I think we're getting there. It's just not as fast as a lot of people would like it to be. I think I'm much more cynical on the whole situation because while I understand there's a lot of demand and the government may or may not want this ultimately, you know, like when PayPal came out, everybody was pushing back on PayPal and there was a lot of lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera tell the banks and everybody figure out how to make money with it. Yeah. And I think in this situation, they're like, the governments are looking at this going, well, this is 200 square feet. I'm losing a house buyer at 3,000 square feet and the taxes they're paying there. How do I tax this thing? How does the government make money with it? And I think that's still one of the the lead reasons and nobody's really providing a solution to that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that, actually, um, One, which is one of the reasons why um, – my my personal advocacy uh, for tiny houses within the urban center is to push it as an ADU or accessory dwelling unit, a DADU, a detached accessory dwelling unit, granny pod type um, addition. And, and we've seen that work in other communities, right? So Fresno, you can do that now. Um, I think there's uh, another community in Florida where it was just passed. We've seen that methodology work. Um and so I think that's kind of the foot in the door is to, to get those, um, get tiny houses permitted anywhere that you're already allowed to build a DADU or an ADU. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. If, if you can already put a secondary smaller structure on your property, then a tiny house should be permitted as long as it can come up with viable solutions to some of the things that would need exceptions like the toilet. You know, if, if you can plumb it, great. Um, you know, as long as you can, you know, make sure it's safe. Uh, so maybe there's an inspection that, that is done or maybe, you know, whether it's RVIA or NOAA or whatever it is that the city wants to, to you know, accept in the way of inspection. Let's make sure it's been built um, safely. Circling back on the sort of supply demand comment that you made about the housing prices and the tiny house prices, um, that's already happening. I mean, again, that's already happening to to a huge degree. Um, You you just have to go into tiny house nation. They've been out for three seasons now and look at the quote unquote pricing, which was overinflated on reality TV anyways. But, you know, um, again, when I started mine three years ago, um, a 24 foot long, $30,000, uh, tiny house was considered huge and expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Now that's considered a huge bargain. Um, so the supply yep. and demand has already created pretty inflated prices. Um, the, the demand is very, very up and the, and the supply is, is still, you know, presenting itself on the flip side. However, I think that there is a, there's going to be an adjustment. It's going to reach a point 
where the tiny houses are not reachable um, by the people that really need them or really want them. And I think there is going to be a uh, market-wide or whatever you want to call it, system-wide adjustment. They, they mm-hmm. got to come back down to normal. We, we had when we've discussed it here in the podcast, we've had a builder here. They were advertising one in on Craigslist, ironically, for $155,000 for a 22-foot long one. It was just, it's crazy. So yeah, it, it's got to come back the other way. I'm yeah. hoping, I'm hoping, hoping. Well, that's what... Yeah, you know what? Um, sorry to cut you off. That's okay, Sarah. Um, I was just going to say, I, I personally have... have you, when I bought it three years ago, there wasn't... There was one builder in Tennessee, um, and we went with that builder. Since then, a lot of builders have popped up. Um, but I've also seen a lot of builders pop up and then disappear. Yeah. Um, and the reason is, is because they're not legal... Despite the fact the demand is high, there's a lot of people who are interested. There's a lot of looky loos. There's a lot of people putting in, in, you know, inquiries and requesting quotes. But then when it comes to uh, getting the funding um, and actually purchasing it, because they were like, "Whoa, I think I'm going to put this on my land," and then you know they find out, "Oh, I actually can't put this on my land, even though I own it." Um, there, one, you know, if they've already purchased it, you see it pop up on tiny house listings right. uh, or on Craigslist. Yep. Um, and so there's a huge flood of um, used models already for as young as this movement is. Agreed. You see a ton of them, you know, come back uh, up for sale. Um, and I think that helps keep the pricing down a little um, because despite the fact there is a huge amount of demand, the demand is only, it's half hearted. It's actually only like interest. It's not exactly a demand to buy. Right. Um, and, and because of that, I think it, the, the prices are staying a little bit, you know, more suppressed. Now, if you were to legalize tiny houses, uh, I can guarantee you that price would shot, shoot up. And on the West Coast, we're probably seeing that a little bit more because they are legal in Portland. They are legal in some areas in Fresno. Um, but down here in the Southeast, they're not legal nearly anywhere. And so I, I personally have seen two or three really good builders struggle and have to close their, their doors. Yeah, and that's why... Um yeah, that's why my next one is actually being built um, at, to use as a rental. Um, I'm currently living in my first tiny house, which I completed in 2015. I took a year off, and now I'm building a second one to use as a rental. Because at this point, um, the money, follow the money, the money is in capitalizing, from my perspective, my humble opinion, um, is in capitalizing on the interest. Well, that's the thing yeah. is is that the I think for builders, at least the ones that we've talked talk to most of them can't figure out how to make money right right excuse me that's right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean we laugh because we know that they're basically come they're they're trying to take advantage of this huge pool of interest that they see out there right and they're like i've got the skills to do this and there's interested people there must be a market well and they don't have they don't have the business skills they have the 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 sure. building skills, the building maybe. skills mm-hmm. yeah, but sure, not sure, the marketing sure. and sales and right. managing a team. And the ones that are successful are are as as far as we know are are the people like Zilvardos, who's does this really high end thing, and he he has the background both construction and business because he's been doing it his whole life. So right. the, the one man, it's he's now not he's not now one man, but the basically the one right. man shop. Ver, and then so that's on one end, and then on the other end is the Darren Zarubas out there who have been in. 
uh, manufactured housing, house, housing mm-hmm. building or re- or RV housing building and have been doing this for decades. And so they know the business inside and out. And so it's just a little, uh, it's like a little tiny pivot adjustment. for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. So they have the that's scale right. and they have the business acumen and so they can make it, they can make it pencil out. Yep. It's also yeah. where they're adding things like um, plans and workshops and all the other stuff too to help make, you know, break even. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean... Anybody who who knows anything about the plans and the workshops, it's a ton of work. It's a ton of work to set those things up. It's a ton of work to advertise them. Um, And the return of a couple, you can't charge more than a couple hundred dollars because people in the tiny house movement are, for the most part, trying to save money. Um, And so uh, that doesn't have, and I've even heard rumor that tiny house um, or tumbleweed is, is shutting down their workshops. Um, because they just aren't making very much money, but, um, they have to travel and send people all over the place. They rent these, you know, hotel meeting rooms, which are not cheap. They provide, you know, coffee and snacks, which are not cheap. And then nobody ever buys those tickets full price. They wait until they go on sale because they do all the time. And so they're paying like $199 for a two day workshop. There's just not enough margin in there. Yeah. So it makes total sense to me as to why these people, why, why, um, the, the builders and, um, these type of people are, are, are trying, uh, and failing to, to make margins, um, on the movement because it's not really legalized yet. And so it's hard for people to kind of move into that space without choosing to be pirates. And this is, sorry, go go ahead. Go ahead. No. Okay. So this is where, you know, um, in some ways Darren was talking about, and Michelle was talking about here, the, the real, opportunity for for people is interest and darren was telling us Mm -hmm. the people interested in tiny houses and darren was telling us that that the majority of his customers are actually not people who want to live in tiny houses they're people who are buying the tiny houses to use them Mm -hmm. as rental or as or as vacation properties second home you know you can buy a recreational property for instance that you cannot legally build a real house on because it won't perk Mm -hmm. because you're living six and a half feet from the river's edge Mm -hmm. or whatever and so yeah a lot of his are selling for for use as recreational Mm -hmm. second homes um but again the the generally which is sort of flies in the face of what we understand to be the tiny house the average tiny house buyer, right? We're, we're thinking, right. you know, kind of working class people. But if all of his customers are buying these for second homes, yeah. third, I want one in Colorado and I want one on the Pacific Ocean and I'll right. stick one down in Austin, Texas. And so that kind of flies in the face of common knowledge. Um, it, it's a crazy it's a crazy, it is kind of crazy right it's now. It's kind of crazy world it's right a now. Really, it's a really unique situation. It's a, it's a really interesting and fascinating kind of micro economy that we're watching, um, evolve. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's changed so much, even in the last three years that, um, it's really hard to predict kind of where it's going to go. It, it, unless it remains, unless the laws remain where they are. And then I think we'll see people creatively, you know, attempt to get around, um, those laws. If they open up the floodgates and we start to see them legalized in more places, um, the people that are in on the ground floor are really going to benefit. Until then, I think you guys have hit the nail on the head. Um, The vast majority of people, so John and I hosted only tiny house enthusiasts. 
we were able to keep our occupancy as high as we it could go. We literally had to block off uh, space um, if we wanted to go out of town or like take a night where we won't have to worry about it or not. We had wow. so much demand, and we 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 restricted only people who are were interested in going tiny, familiar with the tiny house movement, and were looking to test drive a tiny house. Whoa! How did I you how did you filter for that? Well, uh, it took me a while, and, and and all of this kind of knowledge it actually brings me full circle as to why I started Tiny House Hotelly because I know we haven't really talked about that yet, and I know that's why you brought me on board. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but basically, um, that this experience for 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 me and for uh, John really doesn't have much to do with Tiny House Hotelly because he's busy doing other things like running the city of or the uh, yeah of Davidson of Nashville. Um, but anyways. Um, it took me a while to kind of figure out my niche and we got into it. At, we kind of fell into it, to be honest. We wanted to live in a tiny house. We built the tiny house. We got to Nashville. We had nowhere to put it. Nobody had even heard of a tiny house. So I was asking people like, Hey, can we park on your land? And blah, blah, blah. And people were like, I have no idea what that is. No, no, I don't uh, want anything to do with that. Um, so we ended up having to buy a place um, to put a tiny house, which was not what we wanted to do because we had liquidated all of our assets just to build it. Um, but we had to. And so we looked for some place where we could park it that was not visible from the street. And we weren't going to have people like knocking on the door all the time saying, hey, what's that thing? Um, and so we did find a, a, a place to park it. And so we bought this house. And it, the house that we bought, we would never have bought if we weren't really buying it for the the place, the, the parking space that it had for the tiny house, which is not a way I recommend people buy houses. But um <laughs> So we have this, this this big house, as we call it. Um, it needs a ton of repairs, and we had no more money to do it, um, to do the repairs. And so what we ended up doing was kind of looking to see, hey, what do we have? Um, well, we have this tiny house that we're not allowed to live in, um, and we just spent you know $50,000 on. Uh, why don't we throw it on Airbnb and see if anybody wants to stay there? And, and it'll help kind of pay for the repairs to the house and hopefully cover the mortgage that we didn't think that we were going to have because we built a tiny house so that we wouldn't have a mortgage, right? All of these things. Um, and it took off, it took off. And, um, part of it was because we were right downtown. We were in a great location. Like if you were to look at our, you know, where we were located in regards to everything else, but we weren't in a great neighborhood. Um, you know, it, it, it just is as a neighborhood, the crime rate wasn't really great. It was a developing urban neighborhood, historically um, African-American community, which never meant anything to me because I'm from New York and I lived in D.C. Uh, for eight years. But apparently uh, that means things to people down here. And so um, we we get guests and they were like, ah, you know, I don't want to stay here. And so it took a lot of time for us to kind of really refine our process. And um, what that meant uh, was trial and error. And so after th almost three years of hosting, I was like, I've basically spent three years building up all of this knowledge, this trial and error information that, uh, other people benefit from. And it'd be silly if I just kept it all to myself. Um, and so that's how tiny house hotel was bought or, uh, um, you know, born. Um, and in regards to the, to your original question, how did, uh, how did, how did we decide that we could, um, just do that? And it really became, um, it really became a process of setting expectations. Um, so our listing specifically hints at things like, you know, tiny house test drive. Um, you know, if, if you've ever wanted to try a tiny house, you know, stay with us, that type of thing. Um, then when people 
inquire. I don't allow Instabooks and uh, instant bookings or whatever they call them. Um, they have to kind of submit their name and, you know, like why they're coming to town and that type of thing. And so if they re- reach out and they're like, hey, I'm, you know, Susie and I'm going to a Titans game. Yay. Um, then I will respond back. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for your interest in Music City Tiny House. You know, we cater primarily to people who are tiny house enthusiasts. They're familiar with the movement and they're looking to go tiny. Here's a few things you should know about our tiny house. One, it's small. <laughs> Two, I swear we to have, you, there is I've no had flushing. Come and stay and be like, gosh, that was really small. Uh, no shit. Um, that's, that's kind of what we specialize in. The brand name. Right? If nothing else, that's the one thing that you could have been assured of. Um, so, you know, number one, we're a small space. Two, um, we are, we have a lot of the same luxuries as any other hotel room or uh, Airbnb, but we do not have flushing toilets. So uh, we have a composting toilet. What does that mean? Uh, it means that you'll be doing your business in a bag. Um, you know, it, we're very kind of upfront as to what that means for for the guests. Uh, two or three, um, we are a small space. I'm reminding you again, um, and we don't have room for. Um, a, a, a large hot water heater. Um, I could do an entire segment on the podcast just about hot water heater nightmares. Um, so <laughs> if you want to follow up on that, I'm, I'm happy to, to. But what we ended up with is a small uh, electric water heater. Um, but it only it only you can only take like a 10 minute shower. So people that are coming into town, two girls, three girls, four girls, you know, girls night, uh, they're not going to want to spend. 15, 20 minutes between showers waiting for it to heat back up, Mm -hmm. right? So I I basically set that expectation on the Mm -hmm. front end. Um, And then the last one, uh, which is worth mentioning, I didn't think it was worth mentioning because we have great pictures that were professionally taken by Airbnb, but I have to specify that we have lofts because we've had people check in and say, oh, I'm scared of heights. Oh my goodness. Mm. I kid you not. Okay. So I've spent over a decade in the hospitality industry. I've heard and seen almost everything. Um, and so none of this actually surprised me. What actually surprised me was I didn't realize before those, those things happened that they would happen. Um, but so setting the expectation right up front with, with guests, um, enabled me to put the, the power in their hands to opt out. Yeah. And so if they, if they aren't, messaging me and saying, Sarah, I've seen your tiny house on television. I've been dreaming of staying there. I want to own my own tiny house someday. Your floor model is, you know, the, the one that we're thinking of building. If they're not saying all those things, they're going to get a very long introductory email from me or message from me laying out all the expectations that they should have about their stay with us. And despite and, all of all of that, you were mm-hmm. able to completely book your tiny house? That's right. That's right. I mean, if we were, if we didn't block it out and we only took a minimum of two night reservations. Wow. So what was your uh, average stay? Well, I think the average day was actually probably two nights okay. because for the most part, that's a Friday, Saturday. Mm. And so people, um, would take set, but we had, um, I guess actually in last month, our average stay was three nights. Most people would stay, uh, either three or four nights, uh, last month. How were your weekenders different than your weekdayers? Um, where were they? You know, for, we had gotten the tiny house to the point where we didn't really need to interact with the guests much. We, we mm. interacted with the guests if they asked to interact with us. Um, I mean, I'm happy 
to talk tiny Sign houses. Pretty much anybody mm. who will ask. <laughs> um, but uh, for the most part, I think people that came on the weekends, um, they were mostly couples. Uh, the, that's that's what kind of fits both working people's schedules is doing it on the weekends. Um, they were generally younger, and, and they were usually planning a trip around it. Maybe they wanted their own tiny house, but they were also going to go and see and do. Uh, people who stayed during the week oftentimes would just kind of camp out there. And uh, they would, you know, work from a lot of them were working. So Wi-Fi was important. And so they would just work from the tiny house. And sometimes it was, you know, a couple and sometimes it was, you know, maybe two people that worked together that were here for a conference or something like that. Where were they coming from and how old generally were these people? That's a really good question. So our first year, we got a lot of foreigners. We had a lot of Canadians that would come down um, and because they were doing like summer trips through the United States. Um, and then uh, we got some people from Australia, um, Germany. We had a lot of foreigners um, stay our first summer. The second summer, I think w- the secret had, had gotten out. We had gotten enough press and publicity where um, we were booking out three and four months in advance. And so they, by the time they were looking for us, we just didn't have the availability they needed. Um, so in general, we, um, we would see younger, uh, and I say younger, meaning, um, pre-retirement age, um, uh, groups. And in general, I would say 85, 80 to 90% of them were all, uh, couples or pairs, two people. Hmm. Sometimes it was like a mother daughter and sometimes, uh, you know, it was different, but a lot of times they were, um, they were couples. Um, and, and we probably saw the vast majority of our guests be between 20 and 45. Interesting. And we didn't take anyone under 21. I should probably uh, mention that. Uh, Nashville's rules and regulations require, um, that the person who booking the reservation had to be over 21. Okay. So um, we're going to start to wrap up here, but before we do, I want to give you a chance to sort of circle back. Um, we, you, you have all this tremendous, tremendous, like you said, amount of knowledge and experience. Um, I have already benefited from some of that. Um, you sent me a, a really, really helpful spreadsheet, which I hope to sit down and, uh, probably memorize over the course of a couple of hours. <laughs> um, so we want to give you a chance to shout out um, your website, your email address, your how do people contact you to take advantage of the knowledge that you have and to, to set up their own rentals um, and uh, maybe have you come sign autographs and visit and, and speak. And we'll, we'll have you back on the show because we did not really get into the hotelier part of this story. <laughs> it's, I know this is, uh, this is my problem with, uh, I have so much to say about tiny houses. It's very hard for me just to hone in on one topic. Right. Um, but yeah, so tiny house hotel, um, just to clarify, hotel is kind of the term that people give, um, Cornell hotel school students. Uh, and, and that's applicable here because I did get my master's from the hotel school, um, which, you know, helps a lot. I think when it comes to hosting is having that hospitality background. Um, and so, um, you can re- you can find the website at, uh, www.tinyhousehotelie.com and hotelie is spelled H O T E L I E. Um, I'm also on, you know, 
Facebook, Instagram, um, and uh, Twitter. Um, I'm still fairly new to Twitter. It's, it's, it took me a while to kind of get on board with Twitter. Um, and, uh, let's see, you can, you can always email me at Sarah at tiny Um, but, but just in short, my purpose with tiny house hotelly is to kind of download all the knowledge and information I have from hosting myself so to help other people host their tiny houses, um, as though it was a business, um, because it is. And um, I think it's important to apply the same business practices and not everybody who gets into hosting has a business background or really knows where to start. And so one of the things I'm focusing on is really developing and, and providing tools that people can use and just kind of plug and play into their own hosting experience. Um, today, I launched one specific for Black Friday. Um, if you have a tiny house and you're hosting, um, you need to be jumping on Black Friday deals. And so I created a spreadsheet that is full with all of the things that I purchased for our tiny house. So you can look through it and say, oh my gosh, I need more towels or I need more sheets. Or I hadn't even realized that, you know, I, I needed uh, shower curtain liners, right? So um, that, that tool is available on the, the, the blog post uh, that I posted today. And if you follow along on Friday, I will be tweeting and Instagram and Facebooking um, all of the best deals that I find um, for items on that list. And so the, if you want to know the best price for sheets, um, I, I will probably find that for you. This show is not going to make it by Friday. It won't come oh, out. It won't come bummer. out for several weeks. Yeah. yeah. So the good news is... Uh, the good You're early news, for shopping next early, year. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> early for next year. Um, well, but anyways, I think it's a great... I mean, oh, out all of that bit right there. Yeah. Um, no, overall, yeah. I think it's a great illustration of yes. the real-time, real value benefit that you create yeah. you know, going forward. Yep. Um, so even though we might miss this Black Friday... Um, we know what to expect for next year, and we know that you're a you're a very engaged and real time uh, resource in this in this endeavor. And we should have her back to talk about the parts that we didn't get because I think the listeners who are Airbnbing there or otherwise renting out their Me. tiny houses, yeah, could Me. could have some really good definite uh, benefit. benefit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show yeah. today. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you being here. And then listeners, uh, you've got to tune in next week because we have such an awesome oh, guest. Oh, unbelievable. I don't even know who it is. I know you don't. <laughs> I could tell. But wait a minute, though. First of all, uh, we have to acknowledge that on the last show, mm-hmm. we told everybody that this show was going to be about somebody else, which oh, shoot. we skipped last week, remember? Oh, that's right, because of the yeah. faux pas. Well, and by now, they were just reminding us something that they said, oh, yeah, that's right. They uh, did mess up. <laughs> So, we, so that's well, what we do. The, the caveat is next week our plan is to have who on the show? Dominic Mengano. Oh, wait a minute. Is that the person we met at the Jamboree? No. No. This is a male. Is it Dominic, Dominic or Dominique? Uh, I believe it's Dominic. Okay. Dominic. Dominique Mengano. No. no. Yes. No. Yes. What no. tiny house company is he from? He's with oh boy. Uh, Jamaica Cottage I was Cottages wondering. Shop. Okay. Cottages Hop. That's a bad URL, dude. Sorry, Dominique. To make a cottage <laughs> shop, actually. Shop. All right. To make a yes. cottage, okay. He'll sell you a doobie with your tiny a house. Doobie. Dominic. <laughs> Dominic. Mangano. <laughs> Sounds like a professional wrestler. He does. <laughs> Doesn't. He builds, uh, he builds cottages and backyard sheds. Um, he's been doing it for a very, very long time. And then, of course, is now recently uh, is dipping his toe into the tiny house world. Huh. He's actually in Vermont. Okay. Oh, well, cool. He's in Vermont. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Jamaican houses in Jamaica. 
whatever. It's okay. different than SERP. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this show was brought to you by... Oh, wait a second. We don't have a sponsor. That's right. So <laughs> This show is hey, brought to you by Tiny oh, Ants oh, Hotelier, hey, right? There you go. And dear listeners, <laughs> who we never ask you to do anything. That's right. Anything. Yes. If 70 episodes recorded, you haven't been... You haven't had to listen to a sponsor? Nothing. Nothing. If you would go to iTunes and write us a little review, be that'd so be awesome. swell. Be so awesome. And we might even read it on air. Yeah. Making you famous. Yeah. In the tiniest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> and then actually, you know what we'll probably do? Well, let's let's get together a prize or something. We'll announce it on the Ooh. next show. Oh, that's a good idea. We're gonna we're gonna say, Hey, everybody who does give us a review, positive or negative, because oh, yeah. we're not gonna oh, we got some one stars in there. Go read those. Those <laughs> are light your day up. <laughs> so I I think we'll probably next show we're gonna say, Hey, everything that gives us a review between this period and this period is eligible for a prize or something. So I'll dig something up from some of my sponsors. They can scratch Fun. my back. <laughs> wow. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> Should we start recording this? Or, no, I'm sorry. Oh, all right. Uh, all right, you guys. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs> Bye. See ya, be ya. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>